Hey there, welcome to the 673rd CEG podcast, the only podcast with the uh, combat rolling panda bears. I'm Sergeant Morris from the 673rd CES squadron. I'm uh, Staff Sergeant French from the 773rd CES squadron. Yeah, and today we're, uh, we're thinking about doing just kind of an intro, uh, kind of getting ourselves out there, introducing ourselves to everybody, letting uh, everyone know who we are. I mean, this is our first time right here. We do appreciate everybody coming out and well, voting, making sure that we, uh, we got in the slot. I think, uh, I think the passionate people that brought this podcast back is, is amazing. I think with the drive that people have had to try to get this podcast to come back, you could tell that a lot of people really cared about it and a lot of people really wanted to see a lot more of it. And I can't tell you how awesome it is to be a big part of this. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people wanted to see this, not just uh, uh, some of the folks that uh, you know funded it or kind of established and set up uh, the entire podcast. I think just a lot of people are looking more for like something a little bit more dynamic when it comes to leadership finding out things about the Air Force, things of that sort. I think also us getting all this great equipment as well and us continuing to get even more great equipment is also a huge, huge plus, and I can't be more appreciative of it, honestly. Same here, same here. So we'll uh, kind of get into some of the meat and potatoes of uh, what we want to talk about today, and that's kind of introducing ourselves uh, just as your podcasters from 673rd CEG. I'm going to start with Sergeant Fence right here, and uh, I'm going to ask him a couple of questions. All right, shoot. I'm ready. All right. So, uh, I mean, kind of tell me who you are, what you do, and, like, uh, like where you came from. How did you get to this point? So, my name is Staff Sergeant Nicholas French. I am originally from a small native reservation in western New York um, that is home of about 3,000 people. Uh, so very, very small town. I uh, joined the military because my mom was in, and I didn't have any plans after high school. So I thought that the military was going to be the best for me. I, ac- I accidentally got orders to Alaska, actually. I was the sitting NCOIC at the Canon HVAC shop, which is my AFSC HVAC. Uh, and when we had a new airman come in, he asked... Uh, Hey, Sergeant French, how do you put in for an overseas assignment? And with Alaska being up at the top of the list, I showed him how to do it. I said, if you want to really get orders, you'd put extended long first and then long so that they know that you're serious about it. And I forgot to take it off my list. So you actually did uh, accidentally get orders out here. Okay. And uh, a month later, my commander came down congratulating me and said, "Uh, you've been here for about five years now, and it's awesome to see that you're finally leaving this place? And I said, what are you talking about? Where, do, where am I going? And he said, well, have fun in Elmendorf. And I said, where, where even is that? I guess it's up in Alaska. And here I am. So came here uh, last June. And uh, last June, it was actually a lot more sunny than this June. So uh, I landed at midnight, and it still looked like 5 p.m. outside. And I, was, I had no idea what was going on. But ever since then, I've uh, I've actually quite enjoyed Alaska. It's been a pretty fun ride so far. So I got a few more years left. Can't wait to keep going on. That's good. That's good. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think you had mentioned a couple of things uh, that kind of hit right on the head. You know, coming in or I drove in and uh, 
saw the sunlight and I didn't see any darkness for the entire two months. So you kind of mentioned it, you kind of hit it on the head on what I was uh, kind of going for, uh, for the next question. And that was, uh, you were showing your airmen how to put in for an assignment. What is some of the skills that you think that you've learned? Some of the more uh, non-traditional skills that you think that you've learned as a NCO that you can provide to airmen? Hmm. Well, I think with, um, uh, so I, I'm, in, I'm engaged. My uh, fiance is a personnelist, um, which means basically CSS, MPF, thank you, MPF and such like that. Um, and with that, I get to find out all about these weird little quirks with AFIs and programs and such. So um, for instance, I remember a story back at Canon. She was the acting NCOIC up at uh, one of the sections of MPF. And we had about five people who needed to re-enlist and extend within a month just in the HVAC shop alone. And so I sent them all up to my fiance and she was like, all right, well, here you go. Uh, I completed it all within a day. And they were like, we've never seen anything work that fast before in the military program ever. So it was, it's nice to be able to take care of people in that aspect. Um, in my own job aspect, I would say that one of the few things, or one of the many things I should say, that I have learned over uh, the course of my career is that uh, I don't try to I don't try to point fingers immediately. I try to find out the whole situation first, and then make my judgment off of what's what I've learned so far. I think that's the biggest thing for me is that that's don't don't good. just jump to conclusions. But that's really that's the big those are the biggest things that I would say that I've I've learned. Yeah, I mean, you said kind of not jumping to conclusions. That's, I think that's one of the hardest things that it's just human nature to want to jump to a conclusion, especially if you see all the signs without any of the info. Uh, I guess kind of moving on from there, uh, like what are your, your values? Because uh, it, it, you talked about your fiancé for a little bit. You talked about, you know, working uh, – your job-wise, working with that, what are some of the values that you have, I mean, outside of, like, core values that you personally hold dear to? So I think one of my biggest values, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if you can necessarily count it as a value, but I, and, and this, was, this has been like this my entire life, I cannot, I cannot physically be late to anything <laughs> or even or even cutting it close okay. if I'm if I'm within 30 minutes of something and it starts within a set amount of time yeah I I lose my mind on the inside I, I look very calm on the outside but if I have a meeting in 30 minutes and I'm I'm currently talking to somebody I I'm freaking out on the inside OCD on it. <laughs> I I'm terrible with it I I used to show up to school to high school at um, if it started at seven I would show up at six just to wait out front because I was scared that I'd be late to school not that I ever did my homework or anything but I, I'd still be I'd still didn't want to be late but that's really that's probably my biggest um, that's probably my biggest one is that I don't I'm, I'm a real big stickler on time. Okay. Okay. Mr. Punctual over here. Is that, <laughs> I that's try your superpower? <laughs> I, I try to be. No, that's really cool. Uh, you know, I think punctuality is probably one of the, the things we look over, especially being in the Air Force, of how you have to show up on time. Outside of, like, uh, basic training, 
you know, and everything else. It seemed like it was already done for you. Nowadays, you kind of, well, I mean, after you get out of basic, showing up on time is just second nature, but nobody, like, really takes charge of showing up on oh, time. Oh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't stand being anywhere close to late. That's, that's actually pretty good. Like, so what are some of the things that you think you've learned, uh, either from failure or from success, about uh, kind of your values or, like, bring your values into play, things that you wouldn't have expected to learn outside of, you know, being who you are? Um, so I, I would say that, honestly, before I joined, I, uh, I've always been very outgoing. I've always been super, uh, super friendly with people. But uh, I would say before I joined, I may have been friendly and outgoing, but I did not ever want to be seen around people after, after, after school hours or anything like that. I just, I would go home and I would just decompress the whole time. I, I, would, I would go out every now and then, go hang out with friends and such. But um, I realized after getting into the military that, and especially somewhere where we're, up here where we're kind of isolated from, you know, even even at like a normal duty station, you have the option to just go drive or take a quick flight home or something like that for most people. But even up here, it's it's much harder to even do anything like that. So um, I would say that it's, it's become apparent to me that it's a lot more important and, uh, and a lot more, it's a lot more fun to be able to hang out with people. And, and honestly, my deployments also help with that because everyone's going through the same stuff. Everyone's going through the same thing, and uh, they just want to hang out together, whether it be at the smoke pit or having a couple, you know, adult beverages and whatnot. So, but, yeah, honestly, hanging out with people, that was my biggest thing that I didn't like to do before the military, but now I, I love it. I love whenever anybody invites me out to do anything, I'll try to do my best to say yes. So. No. And I, I agree with you, like uh, being kind of a uh, introvert myself on, on some occasion. I'm like an ultrovert introvert, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm very outgoing and everything when I'm away, but I need my compression, decompression time to myself without anybody else around. <laughs> so it's like being in the military, you have to interact with people, whether you like it or not or you like them or not. Uh, your interaction with those people is like, the cornerstone to success. Uh, all right. Yeah. No. I mean, last question that I have for you. Uh, well, last two questions. Uh, what made you want to, you know, put your name in the hat for being on the podcast for one, and then for two? Uh, what do you think that you bring to the podcast? Mm, those are great questions. I would say uh, the reason why I wanted to be on the podcast is a little bit selfish in itself. Uh, I in, I very much enjoy being a mentor or a teacher or anything where people can look to me for some type of guidance or some type of understanding of something that's happening. They Maybe they don't understand, whether it be a new AFI or how I got here, how to put in for an overseas assignment. Um, or it's something as small as upgrade training, uh, where it's like it's every single time any airman has ever been due for any upgrade training, um, 
it at my past station, it was I always wanted to be the one to personally train them because it's just so much fun for me. So I really wanted to take this opportunity and really try to not so much try to be people's mentor or people's uh, guidance in certain things, but I wanted to, if I if, if this podcast can reach one person where they're like, man, Sergeant French, I know for a fact, at least can find the answer for this, I want to go talk to him. Or where I might bring up a good point that someone might not have ever thought about, and they think, wow, I never thought about that, and I should really maybe either go speak with him or speak with somebody around him that would know what he's talking about more stuff like that where it's i get to i get to be i get to be a voice of mentorship to other people where some some because sometimes people don't have that sometimes people don't have a good or much of a mentor i won't say good or bad but much of a mentor just because of whether it be work schedules or um personal conflicts stuff like that because even though we all want to say that I've never had a personal conflict with anybody in the military, we all have. Last question. What's your secret talent? What's something uh, that you can do that I wouldn't expect you can do? I, I don't know how it would work out now. But in high school, I was, a, um, I was actually a top 200 singer in the state of New York. Uh, we're like for like chorus and stuff like that. So we need to start a band. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't sang in years, besides like some carpool karaoke type stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's that, that's really one of my few but fun talents that I have. Few but fun talent. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good talent right there. That I yeah, <laughs> it's a good backup plan for I sure. I got the baritone for sure. Okay, <laughs> I'll do I the appreciate that the entire time. Boom, 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 boom. All right then. No, uh, I do appreciate uh, you answering those questions. I think it kind of gives people a lot of um, idea of who they brought to the table when it came to the podcast. You know, uh, something that's very important to you, and it seems like the leadership and mentorship portion of it, you're really kind of focused on. Uh, so, so I have a few questions for you, so that the people can really get to know you. Um, so, you know, the the basic: who are you? You know, family your career field, how long have you served, and your plans for the military, if you want to speak on that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, so I was actually born in New York, uh, very similar to you, uh, but grew up in a small town as well, a small town called Chicago, Illinois, <laughs> on the west side. Um, I spent uh, 17 years in Chicago. Uh, I loved it. You know, got in a little bit of trouble here and there, but nothing too crazy. Um, at 17, I was sitting in... Uh, I worked two jobs, and I did not, I wasn't happy. Uh, I didn't feel like I was going anywhere with my life at that time. Uh, so uh, my family, both my mother and my father, uh, had been in the Navy. And I talked with my grandmother at length about <laughs> my plans because uh, even though I wasn't living under her roof, she was still a big portion of my life. and. Uh, she suggested that I go into the military. Um, ended up having some trouble with the Army recruiter, uh, not necessarily getting things done in a timely fashion. Came to Air Force recruiter, kind of snuck and uh, kind of sniped me out. 
got me over to his office, uh, talked about a couple of things, and next thing I know, I was, uh, I was in debt. <laughs> I was in debt for about two or three months. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time frame because I was like, well, I'm, I'm gonna have to quit both of these jobs, <laughs> and you know, didn't really know anything about Air Force, right? Um, three months goes by, you know, I had a contract, I had bigger and, and uh, I had more direct action dreams back in that time frame that didn't work out, um, and end up getting put into. Uh, the radio career field, um, satellite wide band and telemetry, radio, uh, the 3D career field now, it was a 2E back then. Um, and then I loved it. I enjoyed doing, you know, the maintenance and I enjoyed the, the other aspects of the job, especially overseas. Uh, went from Guam to Turkey, still love the job doing the, the visual attraction, uh, visual intrusion detection uh, side of it, uh, and then went to Eglin. <laughs> Didn't like the job there. <laughs> uh, and that's just because um, the the pace had, had slowed down quite a bit. Um, so I was lucky enough to get moved over to the 90th, 96th uh, Civil Engineer Squadron, and going from a comm squadron to an engineering squadron was completely different. Completely different people, completely different setting, completely different setup. Um, and being there, I was introduced, I was a robotics tech, and I was introduced to explosive ordnance disposal, uh, which was probably one of the best decisions in my Air Force career that I had made. Uh, retrained shortly after, graduated in 2014, and uh, yeah. Got stationed back over to Turkey again. <laughs> and I'm sure now you I'm enjoyed sitting, that. Yeah, well, Turkey is amazing. Turkey prior, Turkey prior, my first time around was awesome. My second time around was the first time in my career that I was able to actually felt like I made a difference on a larger scale than just a day-to-day -day basis, uh, especially in airmen's lives. Well, good. Well, that seems honestly like a very eventful career so far. Thank you. Thank Honest. And speaking of your career, uh, what do you think have been parts of the military that you've enjoyed and what parts haven't you? You kind of spoke a little bit on it when uh, the pace change you mentioned. I, so I, I assume that you're a very fast-paced type of person. You like you like to go, go, go. Yeah, so I was a very fast-paced. I, I got older now. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But um, as as far as your question goes, I think the biggest thing for me that I enjoyed was mentoring because I've been doing that since I came in in 2008 and I've been doing that since 2010. Um, mentorship is probably the one thing I excel at the most uh, when it comes to the Air Force. Uh, I'm not I'm not super great on, you know, um, SKT things or WAPS things or, you know, test-wise, uh, <laughs> things like that. But if there was a, a test that said, okay, mentor this guy on how to properly uh, do his hair or mentor this individual on how to, you know, go to finance and be able to get something done or nowadays use the portal, finance portal, to be able to get something done, it's almost like a clockwork thing. It turns on and turns 
all the way on um, without doing it for them. And I think that's probably one of the most uh, important things. Um, so going into it, I think uh, one of the things I dislike the most is uh, probably that we've gone from being a sharp knife to more of a blunt instrument. Uh, when I speak of that, I say that when I kind of first came in, we had a lot more um, training that was directly involved. We had a lot more leadership that was directly involved. You had people that were coming back from the deployment or back from uh, some sort of training TDY to be able to share that type of information, whereas now it seems like that information is still there and still present, but we don't necessarily have a target to shoot for. Uh, the 2027 uh, is really good uh, at putting us in that realm, but I think we still have some more work to do uh, when it comes to 2027 and how we choose to train, fight, and, and, and equip our people. Right. So what you're, what you're basically saying here is that uh, while we still are doing the same type of trainings, we're not, we're not necessarily taking it as serious as what it used to be. It used to be as though we would do this and it would, you know, no crap be like, this is what we are going to actually be doing come three months from now. So you need to be ready. Whereas now when we do some type of trainings, it's like you may need this at some point, and it's kind of hard to understand for these younger guys who haven't been in those situations yeah. that, um, that hey, this is some really useful stuff, and like you need to be knowledgeable about all this, like, such as like land nav and stuff like that. Exactly. Land nav, honestly, is one of the most important things you can learn, um, especially if you're going outside the wire and such like that. Or people, even just in your day-to-day -day yeah, life. Yeah, in, yeah if, if, especially here. You know, yeah. you, see, you hear about so many people going up, uh, going hunting during the wintertime, going fishing to like, their secret little spots, and you never know. You could, you could be one of those people where... Slip you, and fall in the river, and next thing you know, you don't have your GPS or phone. Right. Or it's completely wrecked. Right. Well, you, you never know. And I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's not as though you're saying we need to go back to war. What you're, <laughs> no. say, what you're more so saying is we need to take our training seriously again. Take our training seriously and then get back to some of the basics that we wouldn't necessarily do on a day-to-day -day basis but could be beneficial in our careers. Right. I understand that. And daily life. Mm -hmm. So kind of going from training to a supervisory question, what are some qualities that you believe – make you or anybody a good supervisor? I think a lot of what makes me personally a good supervisor is experience. I've probably failed 10,000 times, and every time I've failed, I've learned something from that. And I don't take my failures as failures, uh, especially if I learn from them. I take them as success. Uh, if I wasn't able to, you know, uh, when I was a comm guy, I directly saw the impact of, you know, messing up programming a radio or messing up this, that, and the other. Uh, whereas when I became a supervisor, that impact wasn't as direct. Uh, if you messed up something on this person's EPR, you might not see it until three, four months down the road. Or the impact on that person's EPR or how you, how you uh, talk to them. You might not see it directly or right there in the moment, uh, but they're going to feel it. Uh, so me having those failures has developed 
me into the supervisor and today, and I think I'm a pretty good damn supervisor. Uh, but for everybody, I can't speak for everybody. The, the biggest, uh, the most important thing that I've taken from being a supervisor is taking your failures and turning those into successes, working hard at both of that because it's not going <laughs> to come naturally, uh, but working hard at not failing and working hard at making sure that you, you try to get it right. And if you don't get it right the first time, learning from that mistake. Right. So, so jumping into that, what's some of your best advice that you could give to someone who hasn't ever been a supervisor, just, just went to ALS, and they are fresh back into their shop, and their NCIC tells them, hey, that guy's going to be your troop. Give him a feedback come Monday or something like that. Where, What's some of your best advice for that person where they now have to understand and go from taking care of just themselves to themselves and another person? One is understanding that they're human, understanding that they're going to mess up, uh, and understanding that you're going to mess up. I think that a lot of the times, at least me personally, uh, I, me personally, when I first became a supervisor, uh, I went to a new um, base with staff stripes on, and I was like, you know, I got to, I have to do this, that, and the other. I was 23, and the guy that I was supervising was 28. <laughs> so pretty much everything that I kind of learned and ALS wasn't necessarily directed towards him because he already had a degree. He had lived in the world for 28 years uh, by himself, you know, had two kids at that point. Kind of checked the boxes of, hey, I'm an adult. He, I know he, what I'm he doing. He did. And uh, when, when I, I sat down and had this conversation with him, I realized that, yes, I am his supervisor. Yes, I am an uh, NCO above him, uh, but if I don't treat him like a, you know, human, another person, uh, or <laughs> I don't know how you would put it, uh, kind of taking it too far to the level that I'm an NCO, you're only going to do what, I'm, uh, what I say. Right. Let me know whatever you're going to do. Not taking that into account uh, or not doing that because it's unnecessary. Um, and a lot of the times, we have, I think that nowadays, the airmen that we have are vastly more intelligent on their jobs, more intelligent on how the Air Force works, because it's pushed out there more. Mm -hmm. I felt like when I was uh, a young airman, it was kind of like smoke and mirrors for me. I completely agree. I completely agree that, this, that these newer generation of airmen um, at least for my career field, are, are coming in out of tech school. Yeah. Job-wise, they know much more than the typical airman that was coming in through tech school when I came in. Yeah. Um, and that's all because, you know, good NCOs, good senior NCOs, and so on and so forth, have all stepped up and said, uh, we need to focus more on what our crafts are going to be like. 100%. I, th I think that nowadays... And it kind of harps back to what you were saying, is that we used to be more of a training and uh, deployment-ready force, and now because of 
some, I don't want to call it stagnancy, but because of, uh, and not complacency either, it's definitely not that, but because things have kind of relaxed a little bit, we've been able to focus more on our actual uh, career fields yeah. instead, of, instead of the, at least, at least how I see it from my career field is that we're able to actually focus a little bit more on that instead of the deployment training and such like that, which we still have that, but it's more so, um, it's all about what our job is. I've definitely seen a shift in focus when it comes to airmen, or not necessarily airmen with a small A, but big A airmen. I've seen a big shift in focus to where it used to be, oh, this guy deploys in three months, uh, let's get him deployment ready. Let's get him ready to go, pushed out. He can bring back all the deployment skills that are coming forward. Whereas now I see, hey, this individual is preparing for, uh, for a long TDY. Let's make sure his family is good. Let's make sure this, that, and the other are good in his personal life or him personally that he's good. I've seen a big change in focus from those things. And I, I'm not going to say I dislike or, uh, 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 or do like, but I will say that it's, it's got to be a unified front, right? So um, the deployment training, I have seen that kind of teeter off a little bit, but I am very glad that we are starting to focus on the people uh, a little bit, a lot more. So I want to change our focus real quick. Go ahead. Uh, from talking about military training and supervisory stuff, I want to go back to the actual podcast itself. I want to know why you wanted to join the podcast and what made you um, really want to hop on this boat and get in on it. <laughs> that's, that's, I was waiting for that one. So um, it actually kind of goes back into what you were saying. Everybody has that time in the commander's call or everybody has that time in when a commander comes or a first sergeant comes to the shop and they ask, do you have any questions? And the entire room is silent. They might have questions on, hey, you know, what's going on with this new deployment uh, scaling and bracketing, right? But no they, one wants to ask the actual question. Nobody wants to ask the question. Um, that's kind of myself, like I'm curious about these things and I'm 100% sure a lot of other people are curious about them too. So I was like, well, let me throw my name in the hat. I've been told I have a good radio voice. Uh, it may not be true. <laughs> but um, I want to I want to ask those questions, whether it be a little bit more difficult or not uh, to be able to ask, you know, what's going on with this? You know, to the levels that we can answer those questions. Uh, I want to ask those questions. Um, and then on top of that, uh, like I, I you kind of brought up was that mentorship has kind of become the forefront of uh, the Air Force, especially. And I think. I had an idea way back uh, when COVID was, uh, you know, hitting pretty hard of like, what if we just did a YouTube channel on mentorship, uh, you know, mentoring people, whether it was five or 10 minutes. And I get here and they already have something set up like that. So being a part of that, something that I'd already thought, I was like, oh, this is probably pretty impactful. Being a part of this would be right up my alley. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think. Uh it's it's kind of funny that we kind of had the same reasons to join. We wanted to both uh, pursue a mentorship for either people who are younger than us or people who haven't had as much experience as us. And like you said, asking leadership or asking different individuals and different crafts 
questions that people have that they just aren't asking or or aren't aren't they don't they might not know that they have that question until something comes up where oh I should have maybe I should ask about that yeah I I found out about SkillBridge two years ago and now everybody that I talk to is going to be doing SkillBridge before you know before retirement never knew anything about it uh what was another one uh there was something else that uh, I, I was thinking about it, and I can't remember it right now, but I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to it. But never knew anything about it and been in for 15, almost 16 years now. And I couldn't – I was like, man, is, was it just that well hidden or did I not look for it? I didn't see it in any pamphlet that I had gotten out of ALS or FTEC or any of the other PMEs. Is this something we just don't know about? How about we push this out to the larger scale so they can – learn about it too right yeah I, I completely agree honestly um i know there was one program that i just found out about i don't i don't know how recent this program came to be i know that other um other branches have been doing it it's uh gosh i can't remember what it's called but the the in, the initials for it are cip um, basically it's a program where you can uh elect to i don't want to say take a break but curtailed enlistment program or um, it's something program yeah yeah it's it's like career incentive program some something along those yeah. lines where yeah. uh, you can you can almost take a short term break from the air force and all you have to do is a one to one for the time that you've that you took off um, and I had talked to one of my old mentors who's now retired. Um, and I was talking to him about this program, and he said that it's a, he thinks it's a great idea because what if someone is trying to either – they're looking at certain jobs when they get out, and they have an opportunity to intern for this one job or get hired on for this one job. Maybe it's like a one-year gig or a two-year gig, and this opportunity might not ever come up again. If they can do that – and intern for them and get that on their resume, then once they either retire, if they separate, something along those lines, then they're set because the Air Force allowed them to, you know, take that that must-needed break and actually go get that internship or anything like, anything that they wanted to do. God, I keep hitting this thing. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you look at it and it's like, why is it? There seems to be a lot of smoke and mirrors about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there are a lot of, I'm not, there are a lot of the programs that I would like to know more about, and I think this is a good opportunity for a lot of other people to learn from them. Uh, key in point, you know, the CIP or you know, SkillBridge, right. stuff that I would like to to bring somebody that knows more than me on, and talk to them about, you know, uh, ask those questions too. I never mind being the dumbest person in the room. As long as I can ask questions to the smartest people in the room and they don't criticize me for it. Um, but so just uh, this will be my last question here. So um, kind of staying on the same topic about the podcast. What do you see or what do you maybe not so much predict, but what are your goals for the future of this podcast? So for the future of the podcast, I think that I would like to um, not only set something up. So 
short-term goals for the podcast would be to provide folks with, you know, something consistent. So you're not wondering three months from now, well, I heard their intro, but I haven't heard anything else. I would like to provide something consistent that people are able to say, oh, every month, every two weeks, I can under- I can kind of turn to this or like turn this on while I'm sitting here at work uh, and listen to these two guys talk to people or ramble on, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then things that are, you know, also relatable. Uh, I, I would like to get to a point to where every, okay, essentially everybody can read a bio. I can go on the, uh, uh, pretty much anybody's, uh, any higher enlisted or uh, officers page and kind of read their bio, find out where they're from, their assignments they've been to. But I really want to get down to the point to where I can have those, we can have those conversations and discuss the things that they, they find important to themselves, maybe even visionary on how they want to run, right? And I think a lot of that also comes into like, well, how do you foresee promotions going, right? Because I don't want that smoke and mirror either, right? Or how do you foresee the future deployments going uh, or selecting people uh, for different uh, assignments or positions within the squadron or in the group? Right. Uh, and and then long term, I would like to set up something that is one consistent and you know at some point I'm not just going to be a podcast guy the entire time in the 673rd CEG. I'm going to have to leave turning something over that people would still want to listen to to somebody that they still want to listen to. I'm sure if they put this uh, job out there, it could be listed as a GS. So, I mean, <laughs> if you want to get it, if you want to stay here forever, yeah, I mean, you might I as get, well. Got to get the GS position. Huh? <laughs> um, those are really all the questions I have for you. But I wanted to take this quick second to, again, thank everyone for uh, showing support, coming out to the 5-6 and voting on who they wanted to hear as their main podcast hosts, showing support to the all the organizations that have helped bring this back. You know, it feels it feels great to rise out of the fire like a phoenix and and uh, do this all over again. Cause I know last year this was a huge hit with people, so I'm just really glad and appreciative of everybody who uh, could help make this happen. No, for sure we are. Uh... We, we sat there the first time um, we spoke with the 5-6 and uh, spoke a little bit with the, uh, the chaplain uh, and the chaplain's assistant. And uh, we really do appreciate everybody that kind of made this happen uh, and provided the equipment and the funding and the First Sergeant Association. I can't forget about them. And um, really hope that we can give you guys, you know, a good product on a consistent basis. I think that's that's a really good goal for us. I think that that might wrap it up for us today. All right. I think that we are all out of questions. And if uh, you guys have any questions or anybody in particular that you guys would like to see on here, please let us know. Uh, you have our names. You can find us pretty easily. We're both uh, we're both not terribly busy, but we can be busy. And both bald. Yeah, yeah. We're both uh, we both have a shaved head, so we're pretty easy to find in a crowd. Um, But thank you, everyone, for listening and bringing this podcast back. Thank you, everybody that voted for us, and uh, can't wait for the next episode. Have a good one, y'all.